Hey there, story fiends, and welcome to episode 22 of Their Stories Everywhere with Elydria Hurt. This week's episode features a short story simply called The House. But before we dive headlong into the story, a word. Welcome back to Their Stories Everywhere. Now this week's story... The House by Elydria Hurt So many people here talk about the house on the lake as if it is some kind of haunted place. Tomorrow I'm going to go check the place out. That was the last entry in Rebecca's journal. Josephine must have read that entry a thousand times, but now standing on the dock, looking across the water at that imposing brick structure... She could understand why the locals mythologized the place. It just looked like the kind of place where something bad had happened. Even from a distance, a sort of mindless, angry sentience stared back from its windows. A funny feeling to have since all the windows were intact. The house itself looked weathered, but no more than an unused place should look. Moss clung to the red brick face and formerly white trim. You still sure you want to go? Ralph was one of the many people who lived in the nearby small town of Eversburg. He reached up to scratch his salt and peppered beard. He was bald on the top but furry in the face, a look he managed to make trustworthy through adding a pair of green eyes set in a well-lined face. He was also the one who offered to let her use his motorboat to reach the island. Josephine looked at him, thankful for the distraction from how the darkness around the door reminded her of an open, hungry mouth. Yes, Rebecca's last entry is about this place. The more she thought about it, the more she wondered why the journal stopped the day before her visit to the island manor. Why Josephine had the book was a much simpler thing. On the inside of the front cover was a red and white sticker. It said, Hi, my name is... Underneath that... Rebecca had written the name Marty and Josephine's address. Three weeks earlier, Sheriff Andrew Wilson of Tartlett, the county of the Island Manor and the town of Eversburg, had showed up at Josephine's door asking if she knew a guy named Marty. She couldn't bring herself to tell him that Marty was the name of a stuck-up Prussian blue Rebecca had once owned. Marty's death had been the catalyst between... Rebecca's compulsive travel, much as one might expect after the death of a dearly loved member of the family. Of course, Josephine had attempted to fight her leaving, but in the end, Rebecca left her no choice but to accept it. Now Rebecca really was gone, and the only thing left behind was one pretty red leather journal with one last entry about an possibly haunted house. Josephine had no choice but to follow the obvious clues. Then maybe we ought to go before this weather comes in. The growing gray of the sky marched toward them from beyond the house, promising the misery of driving rain. Because I don't fancy myself fish enough to want to be soaked through. Right. Her answer came from a place of distraction. 
the irrational thought of the house rushing her toward an unknown future, some awful future. We should go. The water had a slight chop to it when they set out. Josephine let the roar of the engine drown out her thoughts as she watched the shore recede. For some reason, she did not want to stare at the house while they moved closer, just like she didn't want to think about the fact that Sheriff and his men had been over every inch of the house and its surrounding island without finding a piece of Rebecca except the journal itself, a lonely book left behind by a woman who had gone in search of herself and disappeared. No, Josephine said the negation out loud. Ralph looked at her but said nothing. Either he did not think it was worth commenting on, or he recognized the symptoms of impending madness when he saw them. Near the island, he cut the engine, hopped out, and guided the boat to a beached position on the sand. A poorly maintained wooden dock sat sullen nearby, at the head of the only real path through the waist-high grass blanketing the island. The house looked down at them from a slight hill, the front steps dead-ending into those same deep shadows. The change of perspective had not moved those shadows at all. While you're here, Walf remarked, reaching up to run one hand over his bald head. Can't say that I envy you that, but everyone is welcome to their particular brand of crazy. I'll wait for you here until an hour passes, or that rain starts to make things difficult, whichever comes first. Yes. It seemed her vocabulary had been reduced to monosyllables and her eyes saw nothing but that hulking edifice. It consumed her attention. Then, with no other words, she walked away. Rebecca's journal clutched to her chest, a bright splash of red against her black jacket. The grass waved in the growing breeze, seemingly warning her away with each motion. She just kept walking, eyes fixed on her goal. The darkness around the door brought her to a stop at the foot of the stairs. Clutching the journal tighter, she looked up at it and willed herself to put her foot on the first step. Just as she did, the wind picked up with a moaning sound just like that of a human in pain. Rebecca, she whispered, I'm going to get you out. She moved up the stairs to the door putting her hand out for the doorknob. The rational thinker in her said the door, even tilted as it appeared, had to be locked. The door squeaked inward at her touch. Directly across from the door was a staircase. Dust covered everything, but she could just see, just barely, the impression of Rebecca's oh-so-sensible heels. Why was she even wearing heels on a trek through a haunted house? It was just one more thing they would joke about when this was over. Like the little motel where the authorities found Rebecca's car. The footprints went in all three directions and crisscrossed themselves as if she had wandered aimlessly from room to room. The upstairs bedroom. Josephine recited the location the sheriff had been kind enough to furnish to her after repeated questions and one tearful declaration of how she would not be able to sleep without knowing. Getting there meant going up the stairs. The floorboards under her feet seemed to chuckle as she moved, 
or so she imagined. Coupled with the moaning wind, Josephine's hair was standing on end. Once she had read a paper on how fear was just the old reptile brain survival instinct kicking on. At the time, it had seemed like so much rubbish. Now, putting her foot on the first step, she was pretty certain it was true. Fear was that thing which kept humans alive before they started making cities and feared the animals more than each other. Somehow she had the sense that whatever inhabited this old house was older and meaner than a saber-toothed tiger. She could hear it in every creak of the stairs, every squeak of loose nails, and in every click of what she had hoped were rat claws. Those were some awfully big rats. Rebecca, when this is over, we are going somewhere that doesn't smell of dust, mothballs, and rust on your dime. You hear me? The house swallowed the sound of her voice as she stepped up onto the second floor. A crack of thunder vibrated the boards and nearly peeled away her skin with fear. She dropped the journal with a frightened squeak and it thudded on the floor. Bending down, she grabbed it up out of the dust. When she lifted her head, Rebecca was standing there looking at her with chilling brown eyes, her hair in a dusty disarray around her face. Josephine sat back hard in surprise, nearly tumbling down the stairs with a scream. Rebecca screamed with her. Then came another roll of thunder and the sound of quickly dropping rain. Ralph had undoubtedly left her behind and would return when the weather improved. Her ride did not seem all that important as she straightened her clothes and hair while trying to force her heart to stop racing. Rebecca was gone. But Marty was there, a snotty Prussian blue pussycat Rebecca had loved like a child, was sitting there on the floor with his fur fluffed out into his I-am-not-happy stance. Josephine looked at the cat with far less love than she had for its former owner. Where is she? Josephine screamed. It felt good to get the fear out to scream at something like she had not been able to before. The cat did nothing but continue to watch just as it always had. The ugly, fat cotton ball with a superiority complex that always shed on the furniture and hocked up hairballs on the rug. Where is she? A door creaked open down the hall, and the cat turned to look at it as if it were not important. Josephine looked at it with fear springing anew in her chest. Marty looked up at her and yawned, casually showing his fangs, before getting up and stalking toward the door in question, tail a swish as he went. Josephine stood stock still and watched the animal go. Marty was dead. Josephine had run him over with a car. The whole thing was an accident. Just the dumb cat acting like the king of all creation in the middle of the driveway as Josephine came speeding home to get away from the seemingly ending, endless work pressures. You always hated him. Josephine could hear Rebecca as she said it for the hundredth time. I did not hate your cat. I hated what he did to my furniture. Your furniture? That statement only threw Rebecca into a bigger fit. Despite her apologies, they only seemed to speak in screams after that. 
Well, you can stay here with your furniture. I'm going on a trip. Rebecca didn't leave immediately, but when she did, she was gone for a week. Then she came back, left again. In the moments they were together, things were strained, unnatural. Then Rebecca disappeared. Now it was Josephine to the rescue again, making things right again, just like always. Forcing herself to move and leave the ghosts of bad memories behind, Josephine went to the door. It was the upstairs bedroom, just like the sheriff told her. The room was pristine, untouched. The bed linens crisp and pressed. Not a touch of dust on the draped four-poster bed, the mirror, the nightstand, or the bureau. One could go so far as to call the room beautiful. Her eyes were immediately drawn to the mirror, a full length set on a pair of carved legs, but it was turned away from her so she could see nothing in it. Beyond it was the window where the rain clattered down like thrown pennies. Rebecca's voice purred at her from the bed where slender fingers clutched the edge of the curtain. Those same fingers drew the curtain back to reveal Rebecca sitting against the headboard. Marty rolled on his side next to her. You really should see the look on your face. Try the mirror. The hint of amusement in her voice was so normal, from back before the fighting, before the cat's death uncovered all the horrible little things they thought about one another. Josephine looked at them both, the horror of the situation slipping away just a little. This was how things used to be, back when they were perfect. Rebecca, we should go. Her inner survivor was having none of letting her forget. A. Rebecca had not turned up in the initial search of the property. She could not be there now. And B. Marty was dead, pancaked in their driveway back home. One could still faintly see the blood stain if they knew what they were looking for. We'll go, Rebecca agreed lightly. But first you have to see the look on your face. Just go to the mirror, then we can go. Josephine looked from the bed to the mirror. Nothing was out of place, or amiss, just a mirror. Getting closer, she reached out and grabbed it. The wood around the mirror felt slick, oily against her fingers as she moved so she could see herself reflected in it. You are certain you brought a woman out here, Sheriff Andrew Wilson pulled off his hat to scratch his head. Absolutely. And I've been coming back out here every day for a week, but I ain't seen her, Ralph explained for the fifth time. The pair stood on the sand of the beach looking up at the manor house. The sheriff had a brown paper bag in which were a black jacket and a red journal held in two separate plastic bags. Something ain't right about that house, you know. Yeah, I've heard the stories too. But other than boarding the place up, which doesn't seem to work, there isn't much anyone can do. Well, they say there's a priest over in Orangina who wants to try and banish the evil. If he wants to do that, then he's welcome to try. I can't tell him not to. Ralph held the boat as the sheriff stepped back in and then pushed it out into the water. The island manor had claimed two more. The End
Well, what did you think? The house is one of those stories about haunted places. It has a mythology behind it, though I don't really go into it during the story. There's a story for another podcast. However, you see the breakdown in the relationship over a cat, which dredged up all the bad feelings and hurtful things between the two major characters. There is one thing I always wonder about haunted houses. What does the house itself represent? In the case of Rebecca and Josephine, it is a return to the time when they were happy. A time before Marty died in the driveway. One can easily become haunted by their memories, and when one chooses to live in them, then one can truly become lost, just like Rebecca and Josephine. As usual, if you've got thoughts, I want to hear them. Drop me a line here at the podcast by leaving me a voice message or email me at aledria at aledriahurt.com. If you want to support the podcast, you can directly from the anchor.fm page or through my Patreon at www.patreon.com slash aledriahurt. Catch you later, story fiends. Small Dragon Publishing presents Hush by author Aledria Hurt. When Cassandra LeBlanc's former flame, the police detective Ellis, walks back into her life with a case she wants no part of, she still doesn't say no. What they find during their investigation leaves them cold, and Cassandra can't help but wonder if the common denominator is her, especially when the killer sets his sights on Ellis himself. Check out Hush by Aledria Hurt wherever ebooks are sold.